It's time for the Average Pros Fantasy Football Podcast, featuring Jonathan Rates, Alex Huff, and Braden Crow. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the Average Pros Podcast, a fantasy football podcast that brings you the clear, concise, and competitive advantage you've been looking for in the time y'all have been hoping for. I'm still your host, Jonathan Rates, and I'm joined by my guys, Braden Crow and Alex Huff. How y'all doing? What's up, Braden? Things are great. Uh, it is August. Finally, we are in training camp. We're seeing hype pieces. We are starting to get better understanding of depth chart. Uh, preseason is is just about here, and so so I'm super pumped. Um, we are one day closer to the regular season. Yeah, you have. Yeah, doing good also. Um, lots of news coming out, lots of things to talk about, so we have a lot to get into. Uh, lots of news breaking, so uh, can't really complain at this time of the year. Kind of feels like almost kind of the fantasy football Christmas, almost, the draft day. I'm getting closer and closer. That's what I'm talking about. Well, yeah, before we dive into kind of our segment for today, the big news that's broke recently is the Deshaun Watson news. So we found out that Deshaun Watson is going to be suspended for six games this season. And uh, so we're kind of still processing all of the repercussions that that's going to have for fantasy. But starting off with just Deshaun Watson himself, what does this suspension mean for him as a fantasy player and a fantasy value? Huff, we'll start with you. Yeah, so right now, as it stands, without um, more details coming out, Deshaun Watson is currently suspended for six games. So he'll be back in week seven. It's kind of a weird amount of games to be missing. Um, kind of hard to figure out how to draft him. He has proven. Obviously, he set out last year as well. But um, prior to that, he was a top five fantasy quarterback. So we know he's good. We know he's elite. We know he elevates everybody around him. He's definitely somebody, I think he's currently in the 12th round right now, that's, if you want to throw him on the back of your bench, I think that's still a good play. It's hard to kind of justify him as a placeholder for six weeks, I think. But, you know, he's just so elite when he's there. But I think I would prefer to just grab somebody who I can also play for those six weeks. Um, I don't know how y'all are feeling on that, though. Yeah, I, as I look at kind of the, the rankings here, I... I probably have him um, right behind Aaron Rodgers and right in front of Kirk Cousins. And so like still like fringe QB one um, just with where is that? I, I agree with you, Huff. I think I would rather grab like really any other quarterback above that, like a, a Trey Lance, Stafford, Prescott, Russell Wilson, Brady Burrow, Hertz, all the way up to the elite guys. And I'd rather just have one of them and then use that back of my bench to take a shot on a chief's receiver or a Packers receiver or something like that. Well, and it's hard too, because a lot of times these suspended players are not IR eligible. So they just take up a spot on your bench, right? If, if for some reason your league format lets you put them on IR, easy pick, definitely do it. But to sit up, probably going to get slapped by somebody, but yeah, but to sit on your bench for six weeks is just, I think that's just a hard buy. Honestly, maybe try to buy him late, you know, try to buy him in week five. No one appreciated my Jock Peterson, Tony fam, uh, Tommy fam uh, reference, but it's all right. I, I, I laughed a little bit there myself. So, <clears throat> well, my question, what makes it interesting is kind of 
the DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Deshaun Watson comparison, right? So both are suspended for the first six games uh, of the season. And so how do you value how you draft either of those differently because it's a wide receiver, because it's a quarterback? For me, I feel like I'm more inclined to take a quarterback that's going to miss six games just because of the return on investment when he does come back, I think is going to be a few more points for you. Um, but I don't know. You can get more wide receivers and it's maybe less of a uh, missing out on value in the draft. How do y'all view that um, in that comparison? I mean, personally, I, re- I even remember back to whenever Ezekiel Elliott was suspended or Le'Veon Bell was, we thought he was going to be suspended and he, you know, was missing time at the beginning of the season. It's just hard for me to draft any of these players personally. Um, it's hard to put somebody on your bench that's dead weight. I think comp- in comparison between the two, I'd actually lean on the Deshaun, on the um, DeAndre Hopkins side. I think when he's back, he's an integral part of the offense. We've seen him already on the Arizona Cardinals. We have not seen Deshaun Watson yet. As good as he is, we have not seen him play on the Cleveland Browns yet. So I think that's a factor. We haven't seen him play in the offense. He'll get a couple preseason snaps, but we know what DeAndre Hopkins is, so it's easier for me personally to pick DeAndre Hopkins late and even trade for him late than it is for Deshaun Watson because also with quarterback value now, you can get quarterbacks, a top 10 quarterback, top 12 quarterback pretty easily throughout the year, um, pretty late in the draft. Yeah, I... um... I have just, I learn this lesson every year and I always forget it whenever it's time to draft. And so I'm not going to do it this year, but I always want to buy the discount on a suspended player, maybe not an injured player, but I want to buy the discount on a suspended player just because they're, they're going later. And the reality is that no matter how good you think you are at fantasy football, things change so fast and you either are just wrong on a player that you're predicting or there's an injury that changes everything or you were wrong about the person that you were right on's quarterback. And there's just, there's so many moving pieces that whenever you draft, you've got to take as many shots as you can. So that way you have an upper hand against everyone else. So I, I mean, for Hopkins and Watson, I think my magic number is, I think it's got to be like two rounds later than their ADP for me to, for me to like even look at it personally. Yeah, no, I think that's good takes. You kind of get a variety of different opinions and thoughts there. So aside from Deshaun Watson, how are we viewing this uh, kind of affecting the Cleveland Browns offense? I know for me, when I'm talking about Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, I think it doesn't really affect Nick Chubb as much because obviously he's not much of a pass catching um, running back. He's still going to be fine. Maybe you argue the offense, maybe not move as much, but I think the Cleveland Browns, they're still going to be a run first offense uh, and, and kind of ground and pound there. Kareem Hunt, on the other hand, you definitely, I think have to adjust your rankings because a little bit more of the pass catching threat um, looking like we're going to have Jacoby Brissett as a starter for the first six weeks. Uh, so I don't know what y'all's thoughts are on just some of those other players and, and how it affects those um as I talk about the running backs there. Yeah, the, I agree with you. You know, I think, I think Chubb is going to be, I think he's a value right now where he's going. Um, I think he's going to be super important to the offense. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with Kareem Hunt. I think there's one side of the community that thinks that he would be used more with a worse quarterback. And I think there's, there's, I'm on that side. Yeah. But then there's the other side of the community who thinks, well, once Deshaun Watson's back, they're going to be a you know a top seven offense in the NFL. Thus, I want to have 
a talented running back on that on my roster. And so it's going to be interesting to see how the price comes out. It's going to be interesting to see if he starts off slow or if he stop, starts off hot. And I'm sure that'll be a question that we answer on a future podcast because that, that's going to be a question that we're going to be trying to figure out into September and even into October. So, Yeah, I would agree with that. I would say definitely Nick Chubb is someone that I think is positively affected by this news. Because like you said, I think even prior to Deshaun Watson's ruling, um, Nick Chubb was not necessarily a sell, especially in redraft. I think he kept falling and he got to a point where he was a value either way. Even at a bad offense, he's going to get the majority of the carries. But I think now we especially know how much the offense is going to be elevated. And so I definitely still like Nick Chubb. You might have to grit your teeth for six weeks, but he's going to have some big games in those six weeks still. He's going to have a breakaway 80-yard run and a touchdown, you know, and stuff like that. And so I still think he's going to be good. And then finally, I mean, so that's the running backs there, but what about the pass catchers? How uh, does that affect kind of where you're viewing Amari Cooper, maybe even David Bell, uh, Donovan People-Jones, and Joku? Where are y'all at with with the pass catchers, Huff? Yeah, I think the the biggest name is Amari Cooper. He was sliding very far down (laughs) draft boards, kind of into the sixth, seventh rounds. I was personally off of him. Now I feel like he's probably in the fourth, fifth rounds. I haven't seen the adjusted... ADP yet, but I kind of still like him. I mean, he's in that round with what probably Deontay Johnson, Terry McLaurin. I'd say that grouping. In that grouping, I like him. He's never been a dominant wide receiver one for fantasy. Jacoby Brissett has not had a good history with any team, with any wide receivers from a fantasy football perspective. But I think, you know, Amari Cooper is talented enough that he can sustain a little bit for six weeks. And then when Deshaun Watson's there, there's really no telling. He could be, you know, a top 10, top five wide receiver on a points per game basis. So I like him where he's probably going to be going now, and I think I'll be much more in on him. Uh, as far as the others, I think David Bell is still an interesting late-round target. But he's also somebody, especially in redraft, you can get probably off the waiver wire or late in your drafts that you don't really, doesn't really cost you much. Yeah, I just pulled up Amari Cooper's ranking, and according to Fantasy Pros, he is currently sitting at wide receiver 22. So he is right behind Brandon Cooks, and he is right above Hollywood Brown. So I would personally take Hollywood and Cooks over Amari Cooper, but um, the next person on the list is Allen Robinson. I think I would take Amari Cooper over him. So I... I um, I like Amari Cooper if he falls far enough. It just depends on when you're drafting. Um, you know, I think he's I think he's talented, but don't expect a league winner with that upside. Um, and as far as David Bell goes, I would say if you're in a dynasty league um, or in best ball, like take the um, like take the discount on David Bell. Like get him get him as a discount and just expect that he's going to be you know, insignificant. That's what rookies do anyways, the first part of the season. And so, but I think you just give it time, but I like David Bell in the long term. I think he'll be a guy that we're talking about next season for sure. Well, and you raise a good point. I think in dynasty, all these guys, especially Amari Cooper is also a buy, right? Cause we'd expect they're going to have a good end of the season and then they're going to be 
and a very good offense going into next season. So, Yeah, totally. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but they are for sure a buy. If you are rebuilding and you have Amari Cooper, I would hold him till week five because if you're rebuilding, then it doesn't matter. You're not going to win the championship anyways. And so sell Amari Cooper at peak value without even seeing what he's going to do because someone's going to want to buy Deshaun Watson's number one receiver. Yeah, and I would even say Deshaun Watson. We did talk about him late. In Superflex, obviously that changes a lot. I still think he's a good buy in Superflex. And then in Dynasty, I mean, you just got to hold six games. So in Dynasty, he doesn't change much from his rankings before his suspension at all. Yeah, a couple things I'll address there real quick. So for those of you that don't know who David Bell is, he was a Purdue Boilermaker that was a game breaker and has a lot of uh, talent there in, in that Browns offense in the future definitely profiles to be um, an interesting pick there. Also, um, you were talking about dynasty rebuilds, Crow. You know, something that I found interesting the other day is if you are in a dynasty league and it's been multiple years, I would say, and y'all can disagree, but you're not really in a rebuild unless you know you're one of those bottom three or four teams. You really do want to ride it out the first couple of weeks. So going back to your Amari Cooper point, um, until you kind of know the landscape of where teams are at after that fourth, fifth week, you can kind of look. And then you also, even with DeAndre Hopkins, some of those guys, maybe a Rondell Moore situation like that. So just a little dynasty nugget there as you're evaluating your team and, and going forward on that. So um, that's, that's good stuff. The last thing I'll say about the Browns is, uh, you know, schedule is something that's really important. And so four out of their first six games of the 2022 season are going to be against teams that did not make the playoffs last year. And then the fifth is going to be against uh, the uh, Patriots who barely made the playoffs last year. So um, in profile, that probably not be as good this year. So pretty easy schedule to start out the first six games. So definitely something to keep in mind when you're evaluating Browns players and moving forward. So y'all have any other thoughts on the Deshaun Watson news and how that affects uh, his value or the team's value? I just kind of to wrap a bow on it with what you were saying, Jonathan, I I think that's more of a, I think that's more of a note on uh, running backs than Jacoby Brissett or Amari Cooper or, like if I'm looking at doing like a DraftKings or a FanDuel or something like that, it's like I will hit Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt every single time because that's who they're going to be relying on. They won't have to throw the ball if they're playing teams that didn't make the playoffs. And I bet their price is going to be pretty reasonable. So I, saying that, only go after running backs just because it's easy to, doesn't mean you should be going after Amari Cooper right there either. Yeah, and the Browns, they have a good defense, so those games should probably still be close. Um, they'll be competitive, um, I think, especially in those first six games. So, well, that's good information there, and uh, I think that'll definitely be a developing story that we'll continue to address as, as more news comes out. And, of course, um, if, if anything changes on that suspension, we'll let y'all know. But without further ado... We're really excited to dive into our My Guys segment. So we're actually going to have kind of two parts to this uh, just because we want to make sure we we cover all those guys that we're really feeling strongly about. So for those of you that don't know maybe what a My Guys segment looks like, it's just going to be those guys that, man, we really feel like have a solidified or really good chance to be something special this season, Uh, whether that means just kind of really delivering um, on a high level from that value there in the draft or just set up to succeed because of situation, just guys that we we really feel like are are my guys and we're willing to kind of take a, take a stand on and, and put some, put some merit behind. So 
Huff, I think you got the first one to kick us off. So who's who's your first my guy that uh, we're going to talk about? Yeah, so my my guy uh, for 2022 is none other, none other than Trey Lance. And this is timely because it comes right off the heels of the San Francisco 49ers um, designating Trey Lance as their starting quarterback. And if, essentially... Finally, like, finally. Yeah, <laughs> only essentially took a year and a half. Yeah, only a year and a half. Letting Jimmy G seek a trade. Um, he will eventually be gone. They have passed the torch over to Trey Lance. Trey Lance, for those of you who don't know, came out of the FCS. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers paid a lot to get up, move up in the draft and pick him uh, in the 2021 draft. Uh, he, Because Jimmy G was the starter last year, he only played two full games and then he came in about halfway in the third game. In those three games, essentially, he had 70 pass attempts for 603 yards and five touchdowns, 38 rushes for 168 yards and one touchdown. Pro Football Focus is one of these websites that has a lot of these advanced stats. A lot of people follow them. They're very credible. They actually did a study, that, and they showed that 66% of quarterbacks who had at least 80 rush attempts finish as a top 12 fantasy quarterback since 2010. Another study they did independently showed that since 2000, 2000, 30 out of 34 quarterbacks with at least five and a half rushing attempts per game finish as a QB1. 20 of those 34 quarterbacks finish as a top six quarterback also. So in two full games and one half game, we can even add the third game as a full game. Trey Lance had seven rush attempts, six rush, 16 rush attempts, and eight rush attempts. That's t- that right there in just three-game sample size, I know it's a small sample size, is 10 rush attempts per game. He's got the floor to be absolutely a safe fantasy football quarterback. We know if his football that rushing quarterbacks is kind of a cheat code. That's no surprise. Just to kind of give some context, he would have extrapolated to about 900 yards last year just over those three games if we if we take that over a 17-game sample size. That was better than Jalen Hurts had last year at 784 rushing yards, Lamar Jackson at 786 rushing yards. And to put in some context, in Lamar Jackson's MVP season, he had, in 2019, he had 1,206 rushing yards. So Trey Lance, just in his three-game sample size, already has proven to have a very safe rushing floor. And not even to mention, this is a Kyle Shanahan offense, right? They're very high power, they're very fast paced, and he's got weapons all around him. He's got Debo Samuel, who also, I think as of a couple of days ago, just re-signed for another three-year extension. He is George Kittle, and then Brennan Ayuk, who was a very good rookie prospect, had kind of a down second year. I think we all kind of expect a bounce back third year for him. So my guy this year is Trey Lance. Um, he's kind of going behind, I think, uh, the Russell Wilson, Jalen Hurts, Aaron Rodgers tier. So he's going about seven, eight, nine, ten. I think he'll he'll bump up a little bit as drafts kind of come to a to a head here late August. But as of right now, Trey Lance is a value. I think he's got league winning potential, and his rushing floor, even as is, is enough to at least not kill you at the quarterback position and have elite quarterback one upside weeks. And I think that's kind of all you can ask for at the quarterback position. 
Yeah, Trey, Trey Lance is definitely somebody that's exciting. Uh, been a lot of hype building up to this, and I think we're finally going to get to see. At least we'll know, you know, I think during this season and uh, a lot of things, a lot of signs pointing up. So another guy that, uh, well, this guy really finished last season strong. I think uh, strong is really an understatement. He was actually a game breaker. Uh, the guy that I'm going to talk about as one of my guy, my guys is Rashad Penny. So for those of you that might have forgotten or slept since uh, last season, Rashard Penny absolutely dominated the last uh, six weeks of the season. He was the running back one from week 12 to week 18. Uh, you had a guy that uh, was kind of looking like, okay, he's got some competition coming back. Well, Chris Carson just retired, so uh, that's out of the question. Not that we profiled Chris Carson to do a whole lot, but definitely take away maybe some goal line work, things like that. They did draft Kenneth Walker, um, but it really seems like when Pete Carroll finds a guy, he really goes with that guy. And this this player does have a history of dominating. He put up 2,200, over 2,200 yards rushing his senior season uh, in college at San Diego State. Um, and something that we've talked about a little bit on this show is the running back dead zone. So that running back dead zone, kind of that rounds four through six. I know, Huff, you've dealt a little bit more in this, so correct me if I uh, kind of get it wrong there. But kind of four through six there, really running backs, maybe 20 to 24-ish. Um, and so Rashad Penny is coming just after that. Uh, right now he's he's running back 31, going in the ninth round in some platforms. And so he's going to be one of those guys that historically um, he's either going to pop or he's not. Um, and based on what he did last year, if he can stay healthy, he's got the route to do that. Uh, I do want to address the Kenneth Walker signing. I think that that definitely um, is going to play a role in things, but without Penny, Penny's never profiled to be a pass catcher. So we're not looking to get any third down passing work here. Uh, a good comp maybe is like a Nick Chubb um, or even maybe a Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry, of course, is a little bit uh, different breed, but uh, Rashad Penny weighs 200 weighed in at 237 pounds in camp, which is very similar to Derrick Henry profile. A lot of the beat reporters coming out of camp is that he's looking great. He's looking fit. He's looking lean. Um, and so even though he's not that pass catcher, he's going to be getting a lot of that first and second down work. And I'm bold enough to predict that even though Kenneth Walker, you know, the conversation around him has been that he wasn't really a pass catcher in college. I think they may try and ease him into some of the, um, schemes as kind of a, a third down pass catching option. And they've actually even seen Rashad Penny and Kenneth Walker uh, that playing on the same field, same set at the time. So I think that they're going to get creative with some of these sets here based on what I've seen. And so I'm not super worried about Walker being drafted. Um, speaking of Walker being drafted though, and he's actually being drafted before Rashad Penny. So if, if the stats and the profile weren't enough for you, just look at where Rashad Penny's being drafted in the draft capital that he can produce on. He's being drafted after Singletary, Edmonds, James Cook, and Melvin Gordon's going right after him. So, I mean, I don't know about y'all, but out of those five names that I just said, Kenneth Walker, Devin Singletary, Chase Edmonds, James Cook, and Melvin Gordon, I'm taking Rashad Penny 100 out of 100 times just with his ceiling. Obviously, there's injury concerns, but when you're drafting somebody that late, in the draft, if he does get injured, you typically have other guys that are going to step into that. But if he doesn't, he could be a running back one, uh, running back two, running back one fringe league winner in that position. And that is the value that you're looking for in those late rounds. So Richard Penny, 
he's one of my guys and uh, I'm really excited to see him carry from last season what he did into this season. Yeah, I think I think that him being drafted as like the RB31, I think that that like that's obviously his floor, right? Like even even if Kenneth Walker is the starter, which I don't think is going to be the case, they run the ball so much that I think Penny would still be the RB31. Like I I could totally see this being a type of offense that reminds us of Cleveland with Kareem Hunt and with um Nick Chubb. So I think that's a great pick, Jonathan. Yeah. The only other thing I'll add to that is JJ Zacharyson has a lot of good data on this, but a lot of the breakout running backs in that seven through nine range occur in a ambiguous backfields with B another running back who's going ahead of him, who is not in the top three rounds. In this case, that's Kenneth Walker. So Rashad Penny in the ambiguous backfield with his already breakout profile definitely profiles as someone who could be valuable for your team. And then on top of that, we've already seen him do it at the end of last year. So I think that's a great pick too. Sweet. Well, I appreciate that guys. Uh, always good to get a little bit of uh, encouragement there from you guys. So Crow, bring us home, man. Who are you talking about today is, is one of your, my guys. Yeah. So one of my guys, one of my, my guys um, is a tight end. My, 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 my guys. My, my guys. Um, it's Cole Komet, um, tight end for the Chicago Bears. Uh, so last year in 2021, he finished as the tight end 21. So not pretty, not good. Um, he had um, like 650 yards. Um, but the reason why he is so low is he had no touchdowns. So this year is different. Um, new year, new him. And so... Uh, there's no Matt Nagy in town. There's no Allen Robinson in town. And there is no tight end vulture Jimmy Graham in town. And so um, Jimmy Graham led the tight end room with touchdowns. He had something like 100 yards and three touchdowns. Well, Komet had 650 with no touchdowns. So it's totally an anomaly that Komet didn't get any touchdowns. Komet led the team in red zone targets. He had more red zone targets than Montgomery. He had more red zone targets than Mooney. He had more red zone targets than Jimmy Graham or Allen Robinson or anyone else that was there. And so I just think Komet's going to, he's going to catch touchdowns this year. He's talented. He um, profiles as a really athletic tight end, which you always want to look for. Um, And so I think he's going to take a step forward this year. And also part of it is just that, Justin Fields didn't throw a lot of touchdowns. Can any, can either of you two guess how many touchdowns Justin Fields threw last year? I'm going to guess nine, Uh, 15. He threw seven touchdowns. Andy Dalton threw. That's less than both of us. Andy Dalton threw more touchdowns than he did. And so I just, yeah, that's the, that's the weird stat of the day. And so that's only seven. That's only seven more than I threw last year. If you count, I don't know, man. If you count some of my intramural days, I might. might I mean, the next the next person on the list is Tyrod Taylor, and I couldn't even tell you what team he played for last year. So, I just there's regression due, and that was post lung (laughs) puncture. So, I just I think regressions due all around. The signs were there. He led he led the team in red zone targets, um, which you know I think that touchdowns are just going to follow this year. So, you know, even if he. It, at worst, if you just gave him the three touchdowns that Jimmy Graham had, 
He's already profiling as a tight end who would average like seven to seven and a half fantasy points, which isn't great. But then you've got to add in, he's going to have more yards because they're going to throw more. It's going to be a better offense since Matt Nagy's gone. There's going to be more touchdowns to be going around because Justin Fields is taking a step forward. And so, you know, I, I think that his floor is like a fringe tight end one, like being on the very edge. And so um, I, I think he could definitely be a guy who takes a huge step forward. And I just, I just bought him in a dynasty league. I'm in another dynasty league and I would love to have him um, before his price gets too out of control. Is he basically free in redraft right now? Where's he going in redraft? He's a, he's know? a typical late round tight end. I like around 10 through 12 last time I checked the, and I don't disagree with any of those points, especially with a third year breakout from a tight end. Just historically is typically the year that tight ends emerge on the scene to become a fantasy impactful player. The only concern I have is that the bears don't take a step forward and fields goes from seven touchdowns to, you know, 12 and commit gets one of them, two of them. And, his yardage bumps up a little bit. I think tight end, like you had mentioned, is already so bad. The landscape, he's still going to be a, tight end, a relevant tight end, but he doesn't emerge into that makes a difference for your team category. But I, I still like him, but that's just my only concern. I I, I hear you. I, I just, I believe that like Fields floor is probably like, probably 16 or 17 touchdowns, which obviously still isn't great. But still at the end of the day, well, the way you look for breakout tight ends and the way you look for productive tight ends is one, they're athletic and two, they're the first or second option on the team for receiving. And that's what they are. And so, um, you know, I think that, I think that Mooney is good. I don't think that Mooney is necessarily elite. And I think that leaves the door open for commit to take that step forward. Yeah. And Mooney's not a target hog. That's another big factor. So I agree with you. I was just citing concern a little bit. Totally. But, yeah, there's there's totally a risk. That concern is also the reason he's not going right now as a top like six tight end based on his athletic profile. So my only concern is where did Jimmy Graham go? Did he go straight from the Bears to the retirement community? Or like where where is Jimmy Graham? Does anyone know? Is he okay? I think the XFL is about to start, right? Yeah. Oh, is is he gonna hop? I would in love if that? he did the XFL. Hey, San Antonio, bro, about to get a team from my old stomping grounds. I will be definitely. You know what? If, game if they did an episode, if they did a revamp of the show, Pros versus Joes, Jimmy Graham is like the perfect candidate for Pros versus Joes. <laughs> yeah, he is. We we have to get a spot on that show, right? <laughs> oh, Average sure. Pros, Pros versus sure. Joes sponsoring. Come on, bring it. Yeah, back. he is currently a free agent right now, so he. So he's still trying to play. That's surprising. Pros versus Joes, sign him up. Petros Papadakis, you got to sign him, man. Come on. You can say Petros Papadakis, but you can't say Anomaly. Know, man. We edited <laughs> that part out. Come on. Anyway, Huff, you got any other thoughts? No, I I think he's a good... If you don't get one of those top six tight ends, top seven tight ends, I think he's a great shot later in your draft. Just fill your round seven through nine with guys like Rashad Penny, right? And other... Other guys are liking those rounds that we'll talk about next episode um, and just get him later in your draft. Build your team that way. I think he's a great kind of safe floor tight end option for you. What's great is I think you can walk away from your draft having all three of these guys we talked about. 
And I think that would be a really, you know, great profile for your team. You did a late round quarterback, late round tight end. So your front end is going to be looking real strong. So definitely a draft strategy there. So hopefully that was some good info, but that is time. All we have time for today. So thanks so much for joining us. We hope that you enjoyed today's show and that you're feeling a little bit more ready for the season to get started because it is coming quick. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review, subscribe to the podcast. And if you didn't, then there's always next time. Until then, we're the Average Pros. See ya. Your time is valuable. And we thank you for sharing a little of it with The Average Pros. For more clear, concise, and competitive analysis, be sure to follow us on Twitter at AverageProsFF. That's at AverageProsFF. Editing and production by Jonathan Rates. Voiceover by Ben Johnson. Music by Josh Lippy and The Overtimers. We'll catch you at the next one.